Well, good morning again. We are still in the book of Proverbs. If you'd like to take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs 3. We'll be looking at verses 5 and 6 as we talk about discovering God's direction. How do we, we find out God's will for us? And as we think about it, life's greatest goal. People have many different goals in life. Some it's education, some it's work goals, some it's money goals and want to make their first million before they're 30 or whatever it is. Uh, different people have different goals. But think about this. I really believe that life's greatest goal is God. As we look at all things in life compared with the knowledge of God and to experience Him as our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, I, I see that as life's greatest goal and finding God's will and doing it is our purpose. So God is our goal to spend daily time with him, to spend eternity with him, and then finding God's will for our life is our purpose. All as we go through our life, day by day by day, is it not our purpose to be doing the will of God at every moment? Of every day. So, so our purpose in life literally is to find the will of God in every moment. And the will of God, do you realize the will of God for our life changes moment by moment? Because what God wants me doing right now may not be what God wants me doing five minutes from now. You know what? God wants us here right now, but in five minutes something may occur. And God wants us engaged in whatever it is at whatever moment in our life. As we are going to the store and we see someone who needs assistance, maybe uh, uh, God's will was for us to leave to go somewhere. And then along the way, God says, no, wait a minute. I want you to stop and I want you to talk to this individual. I want you to, to help them. So God is consistently and constantly moving us, guiding us, directing us. And we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading as we go through our days. So the question is, how can we find God's will and how can we do the will of God? Well, Solomon had a four-word solution, and his four words were this, trust, lean not, and acknowledge. So as we look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and verse 6, we're going to see how these, I believe, four words can lead us to the center of God's will. Let's look first at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. I believe that's a great place to begin. Because many of us, where's the first place we go? We go to what we feel is right. If we don't understand something, or if we feel that we understand something, then that's what we go with. But often, we find that God's will is goes beyond our understanding, or sometimes goes contrary to our own understanding of a matter. Because God's, wills, God's ways are higher than our ways. Uh, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And think, the things of God are, are spiritually understood or spiritually discerned. Meaning, without the Holy Spirit, there are many things about God that we could not wrap our minds around. And so, Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So let's take this one 
statement at a time. So the first statement that we see is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We see that in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust launches a personal relationship with God. Because our relationship with God begins with trust. We have to, to, to know who God is. The Bible says that we know that Jesus is God himself. I had an interesting conversation in Lowe's the other day. I was getting some Roundup to spray around the yard, and uh, we stopped in the, the, right there where we first come in, and this gentleman was speaking to, uh, to a lady there, and <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that, <coughs> and um, we got to talking to him, and he was, he was talking about, he was talking about God, well then as he begins talking to me, he said, you know the, the way to heaven, and I just played along with him, I said, well, what is the way to heaven, well, he kind of rambles on a little bit, and then he said, uh, but you know where people go wrong is, they believe that Jesus is God, Oh, okay. And so we got on that little uh, uh, train for a little while, and he was very, very adamant. Then when I went to Scripture, to Scripture, to Scripture, that saying, well, since the Pharisees said, you say you are God, that's why they wanted to stone him. And he said, oh, well, that's what they believed. I said, did Jesus correct them? No. So if Jesus was a good guy and a good man, and he was honorable, would he have not corrected them? And said, no, I'm not God. No, he didn't correct them. And then we're in the beginning, and, and uh, why did God say, uh, in the, in the, uh, God created man uh, in, in our image? And it was an interesting uh, time. And so finally I just had to say, well, sir, uh, I don't think we'll ever agree. And, and so we, we, we parted ways. And he was still wanting to talk to me. Uh, so we weren't getting anywhere. But the thing is, the Bible, Jesus said, you want to see God or you want to know God? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. You've seen the Father because I and the Father are what? I and the Father are one. Well, he took issue with that too. So I don't see how we can make anything more plain than that. But knowing God and the trust comes in where we say, I know that Jesus is God. I know that Jesus died on the cross in my place and I trust him. For that, So to believe is to have faith. And that was Paul's answer. Do you remember the Philippian jailer? Sirs, let's, let's look at Acts 16, 31. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so Paul says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So salvation is by faith alone trusting in Christ. So our relationship with God begins with trust. And so Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So finding the direction of God begins with trust. See, salvation is by faith alone. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. The only way to, have, to be at peace with God and not incur the wrath of God is to have faith 
in Christ. So we are made right. We are justified. We are made right before God by faith and trust in Christ Jesus. So salvation begins by faith. Our relationship with God begins with faith and trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it's grace that makes this possible. We look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved. It's not by our merit. You've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Faith brings everlasting life immediately. As we look at John 3.36, he says, He who believes on the Son has everlasting life. He doesn't say will, might, one day, but he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So, for this gentleman in Lowe's this past week, the Bible is very clear. If you believe on Jesus, you have life. If you don't believe on Jesus, you do not have life and you will not see heaven. And so God, I believe, makes it very clear that a relationship with God begins with trust. And in order to be finding the will of God in your life, we must have God's Holy Spirit And that, again, comes through faith. So we start off with trust God with all your heart. Now, what does that mean to trust God with all of our heart? What if we trust God with just a portion of our heart? Well, it means it's not complete trust. It would be like trying to, uh, I don't know, be like trying to, get on an airplane and flying from point A to point B and leaving one foot on the ground. You just can't do it. You have to, it's complete trust. You have to place your entire being. You have to place everything and all of your trust on that aircraft, on that pilot and the crew to get you from here to there. The same goes for our faith in Christ. It's trusting God with all of our heart and even for His daily direction as we go through life. It is trusting God with everything. It's not just adding God to our routine. And it's not just, well, I I think I will trust God. No, it is trusting God literally with every fiber of our being. Complete, whole trust. Just like uh, the the, the trust uh, test where someone stands behind you and you fall backward. You're putting your complete faith and trust that that person will hold you, will catch you, and keep you from hitting the ground. Complete faith and trust in Him with all our heart. So, trust in God, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and then, second, lean not. So, the first word that Solomon uses, or uses to say, how can we find and do the will of God, first of all, is, the first word is trust. Second, two words are lean not. So, what are we... What are we not to depend on? What we, our wrap, see, we don't have to be able to wrap our minds around every concept of God in order to be able to do the will of God. Case in point, 
it does not work that way in real life. All right, it work, that's the way it works in real life. Because think about this. How many of you know all of the intricacies and the way that electricity works? I mean, there are some of here who've passed really uh, huge tests on, electri- on electricity and, electri- and elect- electrical current and code and all of this. Uh, so you're excluded from this, Jeremy. And, anybody, and uh, I think Nathan's taken some of those tests. But the thing about it is, how many of us have to understand all about electricity to reap the benefits? We don't. We just plug something in and we use it. And same with God. We, we cannot understand God because God is infinite and we cannot. Our minds are finite. We cannot understand God. So what does God want us to believe? Believe He's eternal. Believe that He is God, the only God. In Jesus, believe that Jesus is God, that He died on the cross, He became human, He became flesh, died in our place, and that His payment was complete for our salvation. We don't have to understand how He could still be God and man at the same time. We don't have to understand how could He leave... All, all we have to do is trust that what God said is true. And then Solomon goes on to say, <clears throat> trust in him and don't lean on your own understanding. When things don't make sense, still trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then the second portion of verse 5 says, and lean not on your own understanding. Matthew Henry, the commentator, Uh, said this, those who know themselves find their own understanding a broken reed, which, if they lean upon it, will fail. Let me read that again. Those who know themselves find their own understanding a broken reed, which, if they lean upon, will fail. I think Matthew Henry got it right. Because if we look at ourselves... And our own understanding of life and eternity and things, that if we rest upon our own understanding, it will not hold us up. Our own understanding will fail. Our own understanding or our understanding of all things is limited to our intelligence and our experience. Think about it. What human, apart from Jesus Christ, could ever know everything? that there is to know. Nobody. What human has had every experience that a human could ever have to learn from that experience? No one. So the point being, if we lean on our own understanding of an issue, whether it's a relationship issue, it's a work issue, it's a financial issue, it's whatever it is, if we, or something that the, the popular <clears throat> culture is saying, if we try to understand and lean on what we know, it will fail us. So, how do we know what's right and know how to do what's right? Trust what God says. And if it goes counter to what we think or understand, we must always fall on the side or come down on the side of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. 
You see, God's understanding is far above that of all people. Look at Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts, they're not your thoughts, nor your ways, my ways, says the Lord. I mean, that's pretty well, pretty succinctly put it. God says, your, your ways, that's not my way. And my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Now that puts, puts things in perspective. Think about this. Here we are on planet earth. How far is outer space from planet earth? That's a pretty fur piece. You know, we're not getting there in our Ford or our Chevy. So God says, think about that distance. Think about how far it is from earth to outer space. That's the same. You've ever done the how much, you know, do you love me? Or how much do I love you to the moon and back? Well, that again is, is, a, is a fur piece. That's a long way. So God says, my thoughts are your thoughts compared to my thoughts. The heavens are higher. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, if we've got to weigh our understanding of something versus God's will and what God says about something, we're much better off coming down on God's side. Because God says, my ways, you don't understand them. My ways are much higher. My thoughts are much higher than your thoughts. God knows everything because God is. God is love. God is power. God is everywhere present. God is all-knowing. God is eternal. God created everything that there is. We think of time. God created time. We think of space. God created space. We think of matter. God, God, there is nothing that exists that did not come into existence that was not spoken by God. Spoken by God. So, God's ways are higher than our ways. And we discover, where do we discover the wisdom of God? In the Bible. In God's Word. God has given to us His will, His Word, through the writers of Scripture. So as He wrote through them, they have given to us what, what we believe is a completed Scripture. We, we, we call it a completed canon of Scripture. We have everything that God wants us to know about Him here. Now, can we fully plumb the depths? Can we fully understand everything in God's Word? Now, I, I, that's kind of a loaded question. Through the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit can teach us whatever God wants us to know about Himself. But I believe that we could study God's Word if we didn't have to sleep 24 hours a day from the moment we could read to the moment we die and still never find every truth that there is for us to find in the Word of God. You think, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, because God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So how do we find the will of God? And I believe that as we go through life, has this ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me. 
you've read maybe a verse almost your entire Christian life. You've heard it in Sunday school. You've memorized it, either from, from those of us who went through BMA, Bible Memory Association, uh, back 30, 40 years ago, uh, or through Awana. And you read that same verse tomorrow when you're going through something, and you're saying, and you think to yourself, I never knew that verse said that. Or that verse means so much to me in what I'm going through today. Why is that? Because the Bible says, for Scripture is alive. It's powerful. It's able to pierce, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's, it is what we need, the moment we need it, where we need it. Because God's Word is alive. And so we find God's direction in the Word of God. The Scriptures. The Bible, what, what David and his teachers had uh, said made David wiser than his teachers. Look at Psalm 119, 99. David says, I am more understanding than my teachers. Now, that wouldn't fly if you say that in class to one of your teachers, right? But David could say it because when God taught David... David had understanding that his teachers of his day didn't know because David had a special relationship with God. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? For your testimonies are my meditation. David said, I meditate on your word. I study your word. It becomes part of my life. And that's what makes the difference. We find God's will through studying God's word. We find God's will through talking to God and allowing God to talk to us through His Word, through the direction and guidance of His Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we find, uh, young people, how do we find the right person to marry? Uh, those of you older, how do we find the right job? How do you go to the right school? How do you do? Well, you know what? You say, God, I want to know what's best for me. And I want you to lead me. And I'll, I, will, I will ask you and I will allow you to guide me through your Word, God guides us through His Holy Spirit prompting us. God guides us through the wise counsel of others who know Christ as well. So there are a number of ways that God will lead us and guide us. Um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Charles Bridges said this, No step well prayed over will bring ultimate regret. Let me, let me say this again. No step well prayed over will bring ultimate regret what are the things you regret most most of the time is stuff that you've made on the spur of the moment decision you go man i wish i wouldn't have done that but how many things that you've prayed over you've poured over god's word and you asked god's guidance and you say god i want to know what you want me to do and i want to know what's best and through wise counsel through prayer and through searching god's word you arrive at a decision, and you carry out that decision. How many of those decisions have you regretted? Probably not many, if any. And so, no step well prayed over will bring ultimate regret. So we spend time with God. Trust God with all of our heart. Don't lean on our own understanding. And then, lastly, in all your ways... Acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That's in verse 6. In all your ways, 
acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. To acknowledge the Lord in all things is full surrender to him. To acknowledge God in everything. So that means as we go through our day, everything that we do, we're thinking, okay, at 11.30, after we're done here, we're going to go to lunch at fill in the blank. But if you acknowledge God, will that make a difference on where you go? It may, it may not. If we acknowledge God in everything we do, meaning God, we're doing this, and God, by your will, if it's your will, this is what we're going to do. And if we acknowledge God in everything that we do, God will lead us and guide us and direct us. So if we are acknowledging God on the way into the restaurant, and we see someone with a need, or we see something that God will, if we're acknowledging God, he can more easily direct us to do something. Or it might be any other, any other need. In all our ways, acknowledge him. And if we acknowledge God in every thought and in every deed. Now, how can we do that? That's an interesting question. Well, we simply do it by realizing that God is in control and every moment of every day belongs to God. We acknowledge the Lord, if we acknowledge the Lord at home, if we acknowledge the Lord on the job, if we acknowledge the Lord on our vacation, if we acknowledge the Lord in everything we do. We acknowledge the Lord when days are dark, and we acknowledge the Lord when days are bright. You can see there are, there are dark days at times. That's not a time to forget God, because that's not a time when God forgets us. So acknowledge him on the dark days. Acknowledge him when the days are bright. Acknowledge the Lord on the, on the interstate. Because sometimes that might make a difference in the way we deal with other drivers, right? Acknowledge God in our expressions as well as the expressways. Acknowledge God. <clears throat> acknowledge the Lord not only with saints, but also acknowledge God with sinners. You see, we can love someone even while they're sinning. We may not agree with them. We may have nothing to do with them at certain points in time, but there are certain points in time when we can acknowledge God with them and let them know that God loves them. Let them know that God cares about them and is willing to accept them where they are and bring a brand new life, a brand new outlook, and a different outcome. So we acknowledge God in every area of our life. So as we, we bring this and wind this down to a close, understand this. God's direction doesn't guarantee perfection. Meaning we won't be perfect on this earth. But we, we can know that if we're following the will of God, we're pleasing Him in all we do. Because God knows our frame. God knows we're weak. God knows we falter, we fail. But if we are quick to acknowledge when we sin, when we disobey, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's willing to say, I'm here, and I forgive you. You are forgiven through the blood of Christ. Also, another quote from Charles Bridges. 
He says, God's promise for guidance doesn't make us infallible. Our very errors will be overruled to produce greater humility. Do you realize sometimes that our faults and our mistakes can be used by God to humble us and to bring us where he wants us? So God uses everything in our life. We are but sinners saved by grace, yet led by God from place to place. He leads us everywhere we go. And it really is a privilege to be on God's path, is it not? It's a privilege. It's not a right, you know, to say, you know what, we all have a right to be in heaven. Where do we, what do we really deserve? We really deserve an eternal separation from God because of who we are. We're sinners. But by God's grace, Jesus Christ offers, or God offers the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so it's a privilege because by grace, God reaches down and says, I want to give you a new life through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So I'm sure everyone here has But here's the question. Have you begun life with God through faith in Christ? And have you decided to totally trust God for direction? You see, it's one thing to know Christ as our Savior. But it's yet another to depend on God moment by moment by moment for direction. And trust for decisions, trust for what we say, trust for what we do, trust for where we spend our money, trust for everything. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will God do? God will direct your path. And that's what we're told. So have you ever surrendered completely to the Father's will? So my encouragement to you this morning is surrender. Let's come to the end of ourselves. Let's come to the end of our intellect and understanding and say, God, I'll never know it all. I'll never understand everything as I'm supposed to. So God, I want to acknowledge you in everything I do. And I want you to direct my path. And know this, the direction of the Lord will bring purpose to your life and it will provide a joy that you could not know otherwise. So let God lead and let God guide you. Let's pray. Our precious Lord, we thank you that you've given us these words of direction to trust, to lean not, and to acknowledge you in everything we do. And we thank you, Father, that you will direct our paths as we trust you, as we acknowledge you in everything we do. Lord, may you give, by your grace this morning, the power for each one of us here to completely submit and surrender to your guidance and direction, to truly allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life, that we would dethrone ourselves and allow you to sit on the throne of our life reigning over us, directing and guiding. Lord, I thank you for each one here. 
May you continue to provide your guidance and direction. And because of your unfailing love, we thank you, Father, for saving us and bringing us a brand new life. For this, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.